the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I'm Richard Robertson, and this is Life in Colorado. It looks like this year's flu season is just getting started. In fact, the Centers for Disease Control is reporting that 2.9% of visits to healthcare providers were related to influenza-like illness, and that influenza-like illness has been at or above the national baseline of 2.4% for three weeks now. That's why healthcare providers at MedExpress Urgent Care are strongly encouraging people to make sure they get a flu vaccine. The virus is widespread in 10 states, including Colorado, and is spreading regionally to an additional 14 states and territories. But it's not too late to get vaccinated. The flu vaccination is still the best protection from getting the flu and spreading it to others. It takes about two weeks for the body's immune system to develop antibodies that protect against the virus after the vaccine is administered. The flu vaccination is recommended for everyone over six months of age, with rare exceptions, but it is especially important for children, seniors, individuals with chronic illness or compromised immune systems, and pregnant women. Even people who contract the flu after getting the vaccine typically experience less severe symptoms. The flu season typically runs from October through May and peaks between December and February. My guest on Life in Colorado today is Dr. Nancy Fitch, a physician with MedExpress Urgent Care. Tell us, Dr. Fitch, why is it not too late to get vaccinated for the flu? Well, the flu season is going to start really getting ramped up here in the next few weeks. It does take about two weeks for the flu vaccine to take effect. And with the holidays coming up, you want to make sure that you get your vaccine in so that you're going to be covered for when you're going to be around a lot of people coming up in the next few weeks. But it's going to start spreading fast and furious in the next few weeks as we start spending more and more time inside. Well, and I imagine with the holidays and parties and and extra get-togethers with people, that probably helps uh, spread uh, the flu as well. Oh, absolutely. You know, we're not following our normal routine. We're running around a little bit more sleep-deprived than usual, probably not washing our hands as much as we should or using the hand sanitizer as much as we should, um, and not making the best choices when it comes to our diet, alcohol, those kinds of things will all lower our common sense as well as can lower our resistance. So, you know, you're getting into the season where you're going to start start spending more and more time out with people out in the public. So it's probably not a bad idea to, to try and get that flu shot in in the next few days to the next week or so. And what are some of the signs and symptoms of flu? Well, the big thing with the flu is very much similar to the common cold. It's got your runny nose, your congestion, your sore throat, your dry, hacky cough. The biggest difference with that we see most of the time with patients that come in is usually there's a high fever with the flu compared to the common cold, which usually doesn't have a fever. It's the sudden onset of the flu. It's you feel fine in the morning and by evening you feel like you've got hit by a bus, uh, the overwhelming fatigue. And, you know, we can look at a patient and go, wow, you really don't feel good at all, do you? And they're like, no. 
they feel like they've gotten hit by that bus and then it ran back over them a second time. So <laughs> that's one of the biggest differences that we see with the flu versus the cold. The cold yeah, starts coming on. You got two or three days where it's starting to kind of creep up on you and then it might whack you pretty good for another two or three days and then it starts slowly going away. Is fever one of the distinguishing characteristics of the flu? I mean, that sets it apart, like you say, from the cold. So if you if you have a fever with all those symptoms, that's is that a pretty good indication you probably have the flu? It's, it's usually a very good indication. It's one of the big things that we look for. You know, and the thing with the flu, obviously, the fever does have a purpose to a degree of helping to, you know, combat the flu virus itself. But when you have a fever, it really makes you feel much worse. So, you know, keeping the fever under control is one of the the best ways to just kind of get through it. But we definitely, you know, when we see that fever, we're going to be a little bit more heightened to our awareness of that and to be looking for the flu and for other causes of an elevated fever, elevated temperature. What what are some of the at-home ways to treat a fever? I mean, if if you're really feeling feverish, is there anything people can do just sort of out of their medicine cabinet? Absolutely. Um, Tylenol is still an excellent fever reducer. A lot of people say, oh, it doesn't do anything. Well, it does work extremely well for for fever. Um, Ibuprofen works very well for fever. They are two different medications, so they can both be taken. Uh, You just have to be careful that you keep your doses of each medicine appropriate for the medicine that you're taking. So Tylenol is every four hours. Ibuprofen is usually every four to six hours. Um, so you want to make sure you keep them spread apart for each medication. But, you know, the ibuprofen has the advantage of also being anti-inflammatory. So it does help a little bit probably more with some of the aches and pains versus the Tylenol, which is the mm-hmm. fever reducer, pain reliever. Ibuprofen is fever reducer, pain reliever, anti-inflammatory. Ah, okay. Now, who should get flu vaccinations. There are people hesitant to give children or older people, but who who should get a flu vaccination? Everybody. Everybody Everybody. should get the flu vaccine. Okay. (laughs) Seriously. No one accepted. (laughs) No, I mean, we really need to, the the more people that get the flu vaccine, we get the, the herd community protection there with the flu vaccine. But we especially want to be protecting the younger children, infants, children, pregnant women, Older people, the elderly, don't have as much um, immunity to fight and the ability to fight the flu. Uh, patients that are immunocompromised that have that take immunosuppressant drugs, patients that are undergoing chemotherapy. So getting the flu shot, now for me, I have an, an elderly 83-year-old mother, so the last thing I want to do is bring the flu home to her. Right. So my getting the flu shot helps protect her and it helps protect, obviously, my patients that I'm seeing that are immunocompromised as well. But there's very few contraindications. You know, six months and up should be getting the flu vaccine. None. What if you've already contracted the flu? Is it still a good idea to uh, get a vaccination? If you've contracted the flu, you should be pretty good to go. You shouldn't have to worry too much. I'm not saying I haven't seen people um, come down with both strains of the flu. So I guess theoretically, if you got flu A early in the season, you could still theoretically get flu B down the road. Um, But if you do get a 
second round of flu, it's not going to be as severe because your body is going to recognize that, oh, this is an influenza virus. So at least it wouldn't be as bad then as far as the symptoms go. Your body would be able to fight it a little better, I imagine. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Now, here's something that I've heard, you know, and I've always wondered if it's true or not. Can you get the flu from getting the flu vaccine? Nope, you cannot. Um, The flu vaccine is either parts of the flu virus itself or it's inactivated flu virus. So you do not get injected with live flu virus. Um, Some people will say, oh, as soon as I get the flu vaccine, I get the flu. You might have some of the milder symptoms of the flu. You might feel a little achy. You might have a very low-grade fever. Uh, You might have a little bit of a scratchy throat. And that's kind of, in some respects, a very good sign. It says that your immune system is ramping up to the vaccine itself. And it's starting to make a, a, you know, start a reaction to that vaccine. So you, you, but you cannot get the flu from the flu vaccine itself. Okay. These flu vaccines effective in preventing you from getting it then? I mean, for the most part? And how do they do that? How do they determine that? Because there's lots of strains of flu. Oh, there's tons of strains. They try and based on, you know, prior year's activity level, they try and uh, pick the the top strains that are going to be active in the upcoming year. So it is going to be a hit or miss process. We've had years where the flu vaccine did not quite hit the mark and was not that much of a benefit to get it uh, as far as trying to prevent the flu. Um, but most of the time they do a pretty good job uh, and, you know, 40 to 60 percent, maybe even a little bit more if they're on the mark, you've got a very good shot of, you know, being protected from getting the flu. Mm-hmm. Nothing is ever 100 percent, obviously. Right. And right. what makes it even more of a challenge is that that flu virus can mutate so it can become a little bit different as the season progresses. And so it can avoid the, the antibodies that the vaccine has had you make. So that's where it also can get a little tricky. So even though the, the flu vaccine might be a good match, if the virus is good at mutating towards the end of the season, you might not have the protection because that flu strain mutated into something a little different. Okay. What are a few flu prevention reminders that people can keep in mind as we go into this season? Well, obviously, the biggest thing is to remember to, if you're sick, stay home so you're not infecting everyone else. Washing your hands, washing your hands, washing your hands. It is spread by droplet and to the mucous membranes of the the mouth, nose, and the, um, the eyes. So washing your hands frequent use of hand sanitizer, those are the biggest things that you can do to help prevent uh, getting the flu. You know, being careful when you're touching other surfaces, the flu flu virus can remain alive on what we call fomites or surfaces like your countertops, doorknobs, those kinds of things. So, you know, being careful when you're out in public touching shopping carts and those kinds of things, you're not touching your mouth or nose until you've had a good chance to hand sanitize or wash your hands. But those are by far the biggest things that you can do to help prevent yourself from from getting the flu. So wash your hands and use hand sanitizer frequently. Wipe down work areas, you know, with Clorox wipes uh, every chance you get. Um, Those are the big things that you can do. Making sure you get enough rest, good diet, keep up some type of exercise, just good, normal, well-being, health activities are also good. 
So I imagine the, it's it's especially important in places like work environments where you have a lot of people together in a relatively close proximity. All those kind of things of washing your hands and keeping surfaces clean is is probably more important than even maybe even at home. Absolutely, absolutely. You share those. You know, in our in our centers, you know, we share computers, we share telephones. All those, the, the mouse for your computer, those kinds of things. You know, we come in in the morning and we wipe everything down um, before we start our day. And, you know, when you are sick, again, stay home. Stay home. And I know that's easier said than done because I'm probably one of the worst, you know. If, <laughs> if, I, don't have a, a, if I don't have a toe tag on my big toe, I'm going to work. All right. So, <laughs> you know, but it's not, it, it, you know, for the, it's not the right thing to do. You should stay home, especially if you're running a fever. Um, you know, and if you are, you know, have, do have to go to work with a cold, you want to make sure that you, you know, cough into your elbow. If you blow your nose, throw away the tissue, wash your hands right after. And just common sense to help prevent spreading it to your coworkers. Okay. Now, I've done all those good things, and what do I do if I still get the flu? Stay home. Stay home. Okay. That sounds like good advice. It does. You know, there, there is a window of opportunity for treatment with antiviral medications should you contract the flu. These medications need to be started within 48 hours of onset of symptoms. So the window is very short. So if you feel like you have the flu, it's best to go and see your provider and maybe be tested. Maybe not. Uh, sometimes there's no real need to test for the flu. If your symptoms look like a duck walk, like a duck quack, like a duck, it's probably a duck. Mm-hmm. So in those situations, we're going to empirically treat you for the flu because the test is not 100% positive either. You can, it'll, it'll only catch 40 to 60% of flu. So if it's going to miss 40%, if you look like you have the flu and you sound like you have the flu, I'm just going to treat you for the flu. Right. So, you know, in those situations, but you have a very, it's a very short window of opportunity. Don't come in with five days worth of symptoms and expect to get the medication because at that point you're on the downhill slide. You're going to be better in the next two or three days anyway, unless you have another type of infection going on with it. Right. You get a, a bacterial pneumonia or those kinds of things. But the big thing is don't go to work, come and get evaluated get the medication if it's indicated, and stay home. Stay home. Don't spread it. Drink lots of fluids. Take your medications, Tylenol, Motrin, all your other symptomatic medications to help ease some of the discomfort that comes along with having the flu. But the biggest thing is don't spread it to everybody else. That's what happens. You're contagious before you even know it. Before you even actually come down with the flu, you're contagious and spreading it. Now, there's uh, there's numerous places you can get flu vaccinations. Are they pretty much the same? Is it the same vaccine no matter where you get it? I mean, well, like in your doctor's office or sometimes there's uh, like drug stores that, you know, offer or stores that offer flu vaccinations in pharmacies and, and things like that. Is it, is it pretty much the same? So can they go to anywhere that offers that and it's pretty much the same? It is pretty much the same. We're using the quadrivalent, which is a little bit stronger. Um, you know, but for the most part, anything is better than having none at all. Right. So, you know, in our situation, I just, 
any place that you can get a flu shot, your primary care, MedExpress offers them. Um, you just walk in, no appointment necessary. So a lot of the pharmacies will do it through your insurance. So, you know, any flu vaccine is better than no vaccine at all. Okay. Great. Well, this has been great advice as we go into the winter, and it looks like we're going to have sort of a a real winter here in Colorado this year, at least it's starting out that way. Um, So thank you so much for that practical advice, Dr. Fitch. You are more than welcome. Stay healthy. Have a nice holiday. Okay, thank you. Okay, picture this. You once lived a busy and joyful life, but in the later stage of your life, you could no longer care for yourself. So you had to move into a nursing home. You traded your house filled with memories and reminders of happy times spent with family and friends for a bedroom, sometimes that you share with someone you don't even know. And imagine this. You're a teenager, and rather than enjoying this important time of your life, you're caught in a cycle of depression. In 2019, hopelessness caused teen suicides to reach a 20-year high. You have the power to add a happy ending to the stories of 60% of nursing home residents who receive no personal visits and feel desperately hopeless, and you also can make a difference in the lives of despondent teens. Last month, we had Linda Holloway from Bessie's Hope on, and she told us about one of their fundraising events, the Bullarama. We're having her back on for a moment now to give us an update, because Bessie's Hope has received an anonymous matching gift, and they need to raise $10,000 by December 10th. By donating to Bessie's Hope, you can be a hero by helping us bring joy to the hopeless. Well, Linda, thank you so much for joining us. I know that a while back, right before your Bullarama uh, fundraiser. We were we had you on the show, and just uh, how was it? Did you have a good turnout? Oh, we did. It was so much fun, and thank you so much for the promotion. It's it's one of those events everyone enjoys, and it doesn't matter if you're from two to a hundred and two. Everybody has fun, and you you can be a professional bowler, or you could be a bowler who's never held a bowling ball, and <laughs> it's fun. Oh well, good. Good. I'm glad. Well, and I received a, an email. I know you, you're you in a special fundraising effort right now before Colorado Gives Day. And tell us a little bit about that. Yes. Well, uh, Bessie's Hope had received um, a matching gift from a very generous donor and who definitely wanted the gift to be a matching gift. And so our goal is to raise $10,000 uh, by the, the tenth, so that um, everybody's gifts <laughs> will definitely be um, increased by the incentive that the first bank is doing with 
with that Colorado Gibbs day that I think most people are familiar with, but in case they're not, you go to, you just Google Colorado Gibbs day and then you actually just, um, then again, search for Bessie's Hope. There are so many nonprofits, um, participating in this, but, uh, frankly, the ones who do the very best are the ones that are already huge. <laughs> right. Um, so if the and they have a lot of um incentive things going on where if you if you make a whole lot more than you did last year then you're going to make a whole lot of money from this incentive done well you know that's again for a small nonprofit as we are depending on uh donations to continue transforming lives as we do um we you know, we can't compete with that. We can't compete with those gigantic numbers. So thank you for this opportunity for your listeners to hear that your donations will be helping forgotten nursing home elders, 60% receiving no personal visitors, by the way. And you'll also be helping at-risk youth whose lives are definitely changed when they feel valued and needed by somebody. A very, well, a very worthwhile thing and a real need, too, in today's world. It helps disadvantaged youth and uh, elders who uh, need a little company, which is uh, helps both parties involved. And now you're trying to raise $10,000. Is that uh, is there any particular story behind that number, or is, is there a particular need? That's, that's, what, um, that's what our... Um the person who gave us the matching gift really would like to see us raise the $10,000. And yes, um, Bessie's Hope does have a need to, to raise that money this year. And um, like I said, we're, we're small, but we're mighty. We serve, we work with a couple thousand kids every year, which involves training and education and supplies and uh, coordinating with nursing homes and assisted living communities and we're always, we never say no, so our programs are available seven days, seven nights a week. If if somebody wants to help alleviate um, the hopelessness and despair sometimes that elders feel when they do feel forgotten by everybody. So we're the only organization in the country doing what we do, and it um, it's, like you said earlier, it's so needed, but we're... Uh, sometimes we're in our 25th year, and sometimes we think we're still a secret. So we need to raise a significant amount of money um, right now. And um, so this particular this particular way to do it is is uh, very welcomed and very needed for people to respond to. So actually, every dollar that someone gives would actually be two dollars actual donations. So it's it's very important, especially this time of the year, the holidays. I think people are sometimes, if they don't have a family or friends available, it's, it can be a particularly lonely time. So please think about that. Give to Bessie's Hope. And how do, how do we get in touch with you again, Linda, as far as if people are interested in donating? Yeah, you can go to Colorado Gives Day. And then just search for Bessie's Hope. You make the donation to Bessie's Hope, and the rest is taken care of through the uh, the foundation that's running that. And if you want to become involved with Bessie's Hope, you can go to the website, 
bessieshope.org and um, search through the different ways to, to volunteer and also to donate. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Linda, for giving us that little update. I'm glad to hear it. As soon as I saw that, I thought this is something we need to maybe get out there on the airways and encourage people to uh, look up Bessie's Hope and get involved, help them raise that $10,000. So, Linda, thanks for uh, spending the time to give us that little update on what's going on with you. Oh, thank you so much.